Hello everyone, welcome back to Trans Connections. I'm your host, Allison, and I am super excited for my guest today. I actually think she's more excited though than I am. So without further ado, why don't we begin? Would you like to introduce yourself? Well, um, my name is uh, uh, Phoebe Christine, and I am 25 from New Jersey. I just graduated from uh, Rutgers Law School, and I am on Instagram at uh, Miss uh, PCV, and I am absolutely thrilled to be here. That's awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, law school, that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm sure you're being facetious. <laughs> well, what what are your goals with that? Are you hoping to, to get into um, any legal like LGBT type legal stuff or I'm definitely considering it. I mean, when I first started, I was still basically what they call an egg. So I didn't realize I was just, it was just that my dad, uh, a professor of mine and a dad and my dad thought that I'd be very good at it. And I, it turns out that I was pretty good at it. And, uh, you know, now, now that I realize, Oh wow, I've, you know, I'm in a position where I could actually you know, help people out. I think that that, that's definitely at, at some point in my career. That's definitely something I'd want to explore. That's awesome. Uh, what type of law did you study? Um, well, we basically had to study the whole gamut of, of different laws. Basically, uh, pretty much almost everything that's on the bar is what you learn in law school. It's not like undergrad where you have a a, a major. For the first okay. year, everybody takes the same exact classes, and it's mandatory. But uh, I I worked mostly with uh, litigators, both at the state of New Jersey during the summer and at a, at a law firm uh, during my third year of school. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, do you do you plan on taking that? Uh, like, I know you're looking. You said you were looking for a job earlier when mm -hmm. we were talking. Um, what type of uh, like firms are you looking at going with, or are you looking at trying to do public, uh, um, more like public defender or public well, servant? For the first, I mean, for my first job, to be brutally honest, I'll take it. You know, I'll take wherever they they can, uh, wherever I'll, I'll uh, you know, wherever they'll have me. Uh, the thing is, like, every time I'm going to like you know the job boards and things like that, they always say, oh, one to three years experience, three to five years experience, four to six years experience. And it's like, and this is my school's job board my school it's like okay well what are we supposed to do with that we literally have zero years of experience yeah yeah so where like how do how do other people do that then because like there has to be like you've got a whole new class of um, graduates like where do, a lot what is of it, people how, how do they do that every year clerk with a judge and i've been shopping around for those as well i okay I recognized a little too late that I should have actually gotten a letter of recommendation from my professor, but here's the thing, like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing half the time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't know what you don't know until you don't know it. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's how transition has been for a significant number of people. Yeah. I know for me, that's what it was. I don't know if that was me that said that or Yogi Berra, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you don't know what you don't know until you don't know it. But yeah, no, that's that's exactly how it's gonna feel too. To you know, to to transition, yeah. So, um, you said that you, uh, you mentioned that you're you're technically still in the egg or crack. Your egg is cracking. 
So tell me about that. Well, the, the egg is cracked, but it's but I'm still in the closet. Hard, hard to believe, considering that, you know, I, I sound like, you know, you know, I've been out for five years. But, you know, some of us are just blessed. Uh, but no, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I come from a pretty religious family. So, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult. You know, I've heard, I've heard some of the things that my family said about people like me and you know, again, I don't think they meant any harm. Because, you know, the the weird thing is, I, I don't know, I think my dad would probably be alright with it after after a while. But he'd also probably be one of those types that, that's like, you know, that'll see like some pride parade and be like, oh, I'm glad you're not one of those. You know, you know, dancing around half naked and stuff. You know, I didn't raise a whore. You know that. <laughs> no, but he, he'd probably be fine with it. My mom, I don't know. Uh, she's she's extremely religious to a point where I don't know if she'll ever really fully come to terms with it because, you know, she thinks that people like me end up going to hell. I can understand that. I, I'm sorry to start it off heavy like that. No, I really it's okay. am. We, um, you know, we all kind of have this, um, these different experiences, and family can be so difficult because uh, they're the people that mean the most to us generally. And so... Mm -hmm. It's, oh, it can be, and they've been so supportive too for in everything else. Like they've paid my way through school for the most part. I mean, I got a lot of scholarships too, but they paid the balance. They've always like when I was a kid, I was diagnosed with having being on the autistic spectrum, and there was one neurologist who was convinced that I wouldn't be able to learn to read or write. And my dad basically sat upstairs with with a pencil and and held it in my right hand until. I, and would guide it along as I wrote the letters. You know, I didn't speak until I was like two years old. So, I mean, every, everybody wrote me off as a lost cause that's, early on. But I was definitely a very eccentric kid. That's awesome. To say the least. Uh, I, I mean, and well, to go from like... Around that time, I think that's it. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say to... Yeah, say to something? go from like a doctor saying you'll never be able to read and write to graduating law school... Like that's that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. I mean, think about like if you can do that, oh, it's, you it's can incredible. literally do anything at that point. There's there's nothing that can stand in your way. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like whenever you know the because I'm studying for, to take the bar now, and whenever that gets to be too much, I just remind myself like you know you've made it this far. You're not going to quit now. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. It's a great mentality to have. It um, is, and just just in life in general, it's a great mm -hmm. mentality to have. Yeah, I mean, I'm the type of person that just kind of refuses to be, you know, a victim of circumstance. You know, even if my life circumstances aren't the greatest, I still, you know, I still refuse to just give in. And that's that's the thing, like, you know, no matter how hard it gets, I'm not going to give up. It's just I have to, it's just I'm also not a fool and I want to, you know, plan everything out. I, I like that. Um mm -hmm. And I think uh, from, like, a, a coming out standpoint, planning things out is, mm -hmm. like, that's such a huge part of it. I know for me, uh, I talked about this on a previous podcast with one of my other guests, but I think I, I talked to my therapist for probably a month and a half before I came out to some of my closest friends. Uh, yeah, I'm, I've actually been seeing a therapist myself for the last uh, year, uh, not year, month. My my brain is fried. Sorry, you don't have to excuse me. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, 
And I'll, I will say, like, so the whole point of this podcast, I, I discovered um, early on in my transition that there's two pieces of advice that I really needed to have. The first one was go talk to a therapist mm-hmm. um, because, like, they, they just they, – they're able to help work through different things that are going on. They're great at listening. They're great at helping you identify things about yourself. Um, and the second thing, which is what this podcast is all about, is listening to stories and hearing stories and having people share those stories of their experiences. Um, yeah. I know before we, we started here today that we were talking about um, you, wearing, you wear wigs. That's not something yes. that I was ever able to do. Um, but um, it's, I think it's that very you... difficult for me sometimes. I should have started this in the winter <laughs> I... and not the summer. <laughs> I think that like I part of me was like I'm just never going to do this cuz I can't wear a wig in the summertime and cuz I lived in Texas at the time mm-hmm. and that just wasn't an option but like for you wearing a wig is is a huge part of your uh your transition and being able to be you when yes. you're able to be you is is putting that wig on and I think that's a really important thing um so it's I mean it's great I'm happy for that I'm happy for you that you've got that as as something you can do um, even if it's in the privacy of your own home or yeah. your own bedroom, even. Well, I always wanted to be a redhead anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I have thought about that. I would not look good with red hair. I don't yeah, think I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard look to pull off, but if you have <laughs> the, the right look for it, you have it. Absolutely. Um, I, I think that that's great. So tell me... It, or tell us about some okay. of your experiences with your transition and your story. Well, I mean, pretty early on, I mean, it's kind of interesting because, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of like start from the beginning, but like as a kid, you never really realize these kinds of things. But I remember one of the stories, and it's actually kind of a memory that's kind of been embedded to a degree. I don't know whether it's okay. because it's like traumatic or it's just been retold a lot. Probably not too traumatic, but, you know. Um, when I was about three, up until the point I was three years old, I refused to have my hair cut at all. I ended up having it down past my shoulders as a little kid. And, you know, they would try, my parents would try as hard as they could to uh, cut it, but they could never get me to stand still. I would, I, as soon as I saw the scissors, I would run for the hills. Um, eventually, my father was with me in Pathmark. I was sitting up in the cart, you know, or in that little spot where the little kids sit. And this nice older uh, lady said to my dad, oh, you have such a pretty daughter. And that was it. He went home and he was like, okay, he told my mom, you have to cut his hair. And I think that was kind of the moment I realized that there were certain things that I just wasn't supposed to be doing. You know? And, you know, I, I think, you know, I think I kind of realized that. And, I mean, the thing is, I was kind of a, I was definitely kind of an interesting, eccentric child. I didn't really fit in with the other kids. I was, I remember, you know, when I was, my first thing I asked the kindergarten teacher was, uh, when do we do multiplication? Because my mom had actually taught me that over the summer before that, because I'd seen it on a TV show. So she got me a bunch of flashcards, like, all, all the way up to 12 times 12, and I had memorized it at, like, mm-hmm. five years old. I was I was able to read people's name tags. I was, looking back as a kid, I was, like, you know, I was Rain Man, but, you know, being freakishly intelligent, 
and slightly effeminate meant that I was a target for every bully on the face of the earth. You know, pretty much any any bully that went to school was going to pick on me. So, you know, I didn't really fit in. You know, I played, most of my closer friends growing up were probably females until I was about like eight or nine. And then I went through kind of that, that if I if I had been born a girl, I probably would have been a bit of a tomboy at first. And then as soon as like I turned 13, 14, a flip, switch would probably have been flipped. Because that's kind of how it worked. From like eight to like 13, I kind of actually acted kind of like a normal boy. I don't know whether it was social conditioning or if it was, uh, you know, I mean, I had some interests. I liked, you know, going outside, playing, you know, playing sports out in the street with other kids. So, you know, I definitely had some interest in it. But I also think, you know, there's a degree of like, okay, well, this is this is how I fit in. And, you know, I always, though, had an interest in, you know, you know, women's clothing. And, you know, I remember the first time I saw, uh, it was like a medical documentary about trans people. I think it was nine. And for some reason, it clicked. And there was another incident shortly before that. I think it was in third grade. And I remember asking a group of guys that I knew, Oh, would you, have you ever been curious about, you know, what it's like to be a girl? And that, that's a... they all looked at me like I had three eyes. <laughs> and at that moment, uh, I realized that I was different from every single one of them. That's an interesting uh, thought. I don't think I was ever, I, like, I certainly, like I, I certainly thought those, I had those similar thoughts when I was younger. Um, but I never asked anybody. I never, I never even brought him up. Um, no. I did a lot of things for no, myself would, to like. It would come out me. here and there. I remember there was a time where I would, you know, you know, I I was friends with this this uh, one guy, and we make movies together. And I would always, you know, we make like amateur films together as as like ten, eleven, twelve year old kids. And I would always play the female parts. So. You know, there were manifestations of it here and there. And, you know, when I saw the medical documentary, when I saw... You've, you've heard of that, that documentary, uh, Transgeneration, right? From, like, the mid-2000s? Um, I, I don't seeing think I have, it, actually. I remember seeing it on, like, Sundance or something, and I was never so thankful that my parents had a good cable package. <laughs> I was never so thankful because it was basically four college-age, you know, trans people, two, two women, two men, and... I mean, the, with the with the men, it was like, why the hell would you not want to be a woman? But, but no, I now that I'm older, like, I get that too. But at, at like ten years old, I'm like, what, what? Why the hell would you want to be a guy? Being a guy sucks. <laughs> and that's such a weird thought to have. But like, I remember having the same thought, like, yeah. uh, on more than one occasion. Um, but it was, it was the girls I that totally I really get up that. to on that show. I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually something that you can do? Well, I mean, I kind of knew it was something you could do, but, like, oh, wow, you can do this and, like, not end up on the Jerry Springer show? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's really cool. You you can just yeah. live your life as, like, a, a, you know, a, just a regular person? That's awesome. But, yeah, so, I mean, it was around puberty, though, that I, I snapped. I became so sullen and withdrawn. I probably gained, like, 30, 40 pounds I was like stress eating a lot. I was slitting. I was depressed all the time. 
my parents blamed it on medication that I was on, and it might, that might have been somewhat, but it was it was because my body was changing, and not in a way I liked. Body hair was the one thing I hated the most. I mm. despised it. I, but the thing is, like, I never wanted to, to tip my hand either, because even at a young age, I was very, I, I was kind of aware. You know, whenever I'd watch those those documentaries and stuff, I, I would always kind of have like, you know, one eye on on the on the uh, you know bonus room door where the TV was, just in case someone walked in. You know, because you know, yeah, even, that's... you know, I mean, I mean, of course, if my kid was watching stuff like that at that age, I wouldn't be too bothered. I'd be curious as to why. But I wouldn't be bothered by it. But you know that—that's again because I understand that. I understand being yeah, that nine-year-old kid. I think today things are so much different than they were, mm. even then. You know, fifteen oh, yeah. years ago. Like I mean. Uh, oh, absolutely. I I think that like society sees sees that completely differently. I mean now. There's movies, full-length movies or documentaries mm-hmm. on, like, the main streaming apps. Oh, yeah. Like, Hulu like, just released like, um, the one that they kid, had. and As a kid, I would have to go into, like, the TV guide. Now I would have to search, you know, weeks ahead mm-hmm. to see, to find anything. And I know that there'd be certain channels where those documentaries occasionally aired. Yeah, that's certainly a new... Um, a new, you know, new societal look on it for sure. Society has definitely moved past the. It's it's no longer like taboo to be even talking no. about it. It's now it, at it least. Depends, it depends on the circle that you run in, though. I mean, my my whole extended family, for the most part, seems to be very conservative and very close-minded. So e- even though I see like in society, there's more openness there there isn't yeah i i would be i so i don't and i'm not not certainly saying that this will be Mm -hmm. the case for you um but in my my experience um i have several family members who are extremely conservative and Mm -hmm. there have been a couple that i've said i guess we're just not going to see eye to eye on who i am um and i could not imagine if it was my parent how i would handle that um uh, you know, but I do know that from a family member standpoint, it's definitely not easy to say oh. like this is who I am, and if you can't accept that, I'm gonna be. Yeah. I guess we're just done. Um, yeah, that's that's I, very difficult, and that's my kind of my worst nightmare. Yeah, I can imagine. I know that uh, for me, it was like I picked the family members that I would tell <laughs> before I picked that. Uh, those specific members um and at a certain point it was all right well the i have the people around me that i know are going to be there if something does go wrong or when it happens how i think it's going to happen and as soon as that happens then i at least have the support system around me to help make sure that i get through it uh Mm -hmm. and i think that was that was a huge part for me was you know making sure i had somebody nearby um that i could at least have when that happened yeah no, that, that's always very helpful. I know and, you. You had talked about wanting to have plans and such before we 
um, started today. And I think that that's a, a big part of it for a lot of us. We kind of overthink a lot of stuff. Um, and at a certain point, being able to um, just, as you've said uh, to me, rip the Band-Aid off, we kind of just have yeah. to get to that point. Yeah, no, I think I think it's going to eventually get to that point because it's going to come to a point where I just can't take it anymore. I think we've all been there, right? Just it's so easy to mind. just, yeah. Or and, it's like, if I don't move forward, I won't, I won't be able to move forward. Um, it's either take a step in this direction or take a step in the wrong direction and take mm -hmm. a step in the wrong direction. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like I did end up taking a, quite a long step in the wrong direction for a while. Like when I kind of buried this, like I tried coming out at 15 I've been acting so agitated and so moody that, you know, my parents would not give me any peace. They wanted to know what was wrong and they wore me down. And the second I told them, they just didn't believe it. They didn't buy it because I hadn't shown any signs or anything. I, I don't know if they wanted to believe it. Like, but here's the, but the whole point was that I wasn't showing signs. That, that was the... Sorry, <laughs> sorry. It's like still thinking about it. Sometimes it's a little frustrating because it's it's such a catch twenty two. Yeah, I that was like I think we, a lot of us have heard that. You know, you, I never saw you never saw any signs. Yeah. I never you, you never I saw signs because I, I never let you see me wear your clothes, mom. Yeah, I never wore my mom's clothes. I wore my sister's clothes though. Um, I didn't have a sister. She, I wasn't so blessed. Um, so I, she is almost my exact same size. So it was like perfect. Like oh. I literally, when oh. I was super young, was oh. stealing her clothes and she uh -oh. only thought that I was stealing her to be a little jerk. And little <laughs> did she know. Uh, well, I mean, the thing is I come from a long line of very small women. Mm. So I ended up actually tearing some of my mom's stuff. And when I tore one of, one of her skirts, I, I stopped doing it because I'm like, I can't do this anymore. But at the same time, I was like, I can't get any other stuff. So I just kind of stopped doing it at all. So, you know, <laughs> then I kind of, I don't know, like after that, I kind of went into a weird place mentally where like I basically first found, and I mean, this is, this is going to be, I kind of almost convinced myself that maybe I'm just attracted to trans women. So I started looking at, you know, the porn and everything and got, you know, fooled by something that I was just into that, you know, and it became so unhealthy. And, you know, I would go, you know, and the thing is, like, the people would like that kind of stuff, too. I mean, I would sometimes see, like, comments on, on that stuff, and they were just so gross. Ugh. The thing is, like, I think the idea that, you know, a woman has, you know, male parts, it was kind of interesting to me because it almost was like, oh, wow, she's beautiful. That could be me. I think on, like, a subconscious level, even at that time, it was, the denial was burrowing so deep that it just twisted and curdled itself into something very strange and very... Very, just, I don't know. It was very, I still it's, kind of, you know, I, I feel almost kind of guilty about it in a way. 
it's interesting to think about it like that um i don't know that i ever felt like that's what i was attracted to but um i certainly do know that i got into different Mm -hmm. things and would see different things and all of a sudden be like hmm that is something that i could do um like i do remember when i was younger um i heard about there's you've probably all seen these lawsuits on tv about gynecomastia um which is uh and i remember thinking like okay i don't know if i have that or not but i do know that i have like a slight protrusion of Hmm. where my pectoral is and i don't know if that's just because i've been out of shape for long periods of my life or if it's i do think that i was i was on ritalin as a kid though so maybe i i know that i would would sometimes hear that stuff and i'd be like those guys are so lucky that's yeah (laughs) some guys are literally i i didn't think like they were lucky i just was like man i wonder what it would take for me to be able to get that uh, and like, like that, but yeah, <laughs> like that's just it's a it's a different thought process, and you know, like you were saying a few minutes ago, you know, not not everybody thinks like that, um, no. and it's interesting when when you start having those thoughts, you know, what do you, how do you handle that? What are you doing? And I think that a lot of us have had thoughts similar to that at some point, and being able to. Um, connect on those thoughts it's an interesting it's interesting how many of us have actually thought things like that or done similar things growing up right yeah like uh you and i would have i would have never guessed that you and i had that exact same connection at some point in our lives but that's that is the connection i don't i remember seeing that commercial once and i kind of did have a similar reaction to you i was kind of more joking with the some guys have all the luck thing but i was kind of like oh wow that's uh how does that happen? That that sounds kind of cool. Yeah, like all of a sudden I, I have a chance. Like, there's actually a thing for men who have boobs. Like that that could be me. I'm just gonna turn that off. <laughs> you wouldn't believe. Like, I'm gonna start posting pictures of myself. You know, as me, right? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't believe how much male attention I've been getting. I don't <laughs> think I'm prized either at this point. I, I actually probably can believe. I think that a lot, a lot of oh, yeah. women in general uh, have uh, gotten the gotten the same amount of inappropriate attention. I mean, it's almost like inappropriate. Not even just inappropriate though. There's like some guys who like just genuinely like kind of seem into me. <laughs> and I it, I never had that much fun when I tried to date women. <laughs> never. I actually I so I saw this post by I don't remember who it was on Instagram earlier this week. Um mm-hmm. and like I have a I have a really big love-hate relationship with Instagram. Um mm-hmm. like I do not I don't agree with it for the most part, but I also see the benefits of it. Yeah. Uh and one of the posts that I saw this week was somebody had posted something about having a uh a man tell her to smile uh and i i remember the first time that happened to me i was driving back from um abilene texas to san antonio where i Mm. lived at the time and i was getting gas at the gas station and this old man literally walked out of the gas station it was the end of the night on thanksgiving night like i had just left family 
Um, mm-hmm. And I was headed home. I it had literally just come out at work, so I was um, living full time mm-hmm. uh, by like living by myself. I was driving home from um, from my um, cousin's house in Abilene, Texas, and um, this old man stopped and told me that I needed to smile. And it was like one of the most creepy things, but at the same time, the most affirming thing, mm-hmm. like having somebody uh it's like so sick sometimes but i'm like call me weird but i like it when guys perfect (laughs) right it's like all of a sudden it's like oh there's for it but it's like oh my god you know you're treating me like you yeah you're literally treating me like you treat every other woman which is completely inappropriate by the way you shouldn't treat any woman that way but at the same time like that means that you're treating me like you treat women and that means you see me as a woman so thank you yeah but no there's actually been you know there there obviously the thing is if someone's being really weird i won't even respond but there there's actually there's a few guys who have actually started conversations and have been like decent human beings about it and I kind of get a little giddy about that almost, you know. Like I've I've also gone on on I've also gone on on Tinder using just my my photos, my real photos, disclosing the fact that I'm trans. Mm-hmm. I had a hundred matches in two days. Oh jeez! I don't think I, I can't get any matches, matches on Tinder. I don't think I ever had a hundred matches in a year, being a guy. I think I had like twenty. Like, I, I didn't believe, I remember one of my guy friends telling me, oh, yeah, it's way easier to be a girl on there. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, yeah, it's probably easier, but I don't know how much, no, it is so much easier. It's ridiculous. It's to the point where I can't even go through all that stuff. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I'll find I have, way. for the most, most part, um, tried to avoid the mm-hmm. social media. Yeah, I mean, uh, for, just... for me, it's a two it's a two edged sword because it's literally the only place at the moment I can be myself, and I yeah. can get a bit of positive affirmation. But I, thankfully, I haven't I... encountered a lot of hatred actually, which is pleasantly surprising. You know, I've encountered a few perverts, but you know, honestly, that's called being a woman on, on the internet. Yeah. Well, I, and I honestly, think I, I think the fact from... that you know being a trans woman too means that they they think they have even more license, you know, with us. Absolutely, <sighs> I I think that the big reason I avoid social media is I just see that um, there's just so much about social media, and it's mm-hmm. not just in the trans community, just in the LGBT community. Yeah, just like so much of this, like I what I want and who I am is more important than anything else. Oh, and I hate absolutely. that, and I like. Um, like the whole point of this podcast is to share everybody else's stories with other people and, and make it about everybody and not just about me. And so like, I hate that about social media and how much it is like just about the likes. It's all about the numbers. And that's just so frustrating to me. I 100% like without, without Instagram, I would not be where I'm at from a transition standpoint. I already know that. Uh, I used Instagram to research surgeons i've used instagram to find out about hrt and um, find out about different doctors um in the area that i'm living in like i like instagram is a great great resource for the trans community uh and so like i don't i don't think that it needs to go away i just 
also hate it because of how the how people react on it. I completely agree. I think that there's a there's an element of I think there's an element also too of like anytime I start looking at, at some profiles and start I weirdly enough I've never felt terribly jealous of other girls, thankfully. But every so often it it happens and when that does happen I'm like, all right, you know what? We're taking a day off. Yeah. I yeah. I think that that's probably a great way to look at it. Like I get, I don't get jealous. I just get like, I don't understand why like those people, like there are certain people on Instagram and it's not, again, no, not singling any specific person out, um, who just get this, like, it's all about me. And Mm -hmm. when they get to that point, it's just so difficult to, um, to continue to follow that and continue to, to want to experience and see their lives. Um, yeah, and so, I, like, mean, I never saw that too much. I mean, maybe I'm just not following the people you have, but I think first off, it is it is kind of all about you when you have your own page. I mean, but having it get to like an inflated ego sense. Yeah, absolutely. No, yep. I that's and again, I, I never think... wanted to get. You know, I never wanted to let any anything get to my head. No matter how pretty I am or how successful. I don't know. Yeah, I think that there are just some people who it's easier for them to tear down others and to build themselves up. But I think that, 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 the, that the joy you get from building yourself up is so worth it. You know, I, I always have been, you know, I guess maybe it's because I'm, I'm, you know, what people would class as a high achiever type. But I always take pride in, in achieving things and accomplishing things. And... You know, that's just how I've always been. And that's the thing. Like, I cannot, for the life of me, understand people who are like that, who are just always bitter and hostile and just always saying how much their life sucks, never doing anything to improve it. And that's part of the reason why I want to transition at some point, because I am becoming increasingly just exhausted continuing the facade Living you know, I was two fine lives being, is so difficult. Yeah, I was. The weird part is, I was fine being a guy for that ten-year span because I buried that so far deep within myself. It would come out at occasional moments, particularly when I was drunk. When I became drunk, I would act so effeminate and queeny. It was hilarious. My friends thought I was the funniest. Thing on the planet. I remember there was oh there were so many things I said when I was drunk that should have been signs. I remember one time we were walking home with a uh, walking home with a good friend of mine from law school. I don't know if he'll remember this or not. He was he was probably more drunk than I was, and he probably chalked it up to typical bromance language. But I, I leaned over onto him and I was like, if if I were a woman, I would have married you by now. Ugh. And, you know, I'm just drunk out of my mind. I remember there's another time I met a fellow film buff at, at a party and I'd gotten a little lubricated and I said you know I really I really enjoyed you know Scorpio Rising but it was just a little too homoerotic for my tastes now if you've ever seen that movie you know there's just a bunch of there's there's it's you know basically there's a lot of scenes of, of guys shirtless and stuff so oh I'm into that but I felt it was too homoerotic. I can't be a guy. <laughs> right? Like, 
I mean, looking back at some of that stuff, I was like, oh my god, how the heck? And I was way too comfortable joking about having sex with other guys. Again, I would I would just catch up on me being a bawdy little edgelord, but no. Every so often, the real me would just peek out for a few seconds, and... Oh my god, looking back, looking back, there were so many signs that I'm just stunned that I managed to keep it together for as long as I did. Mm. I I will say, I know that I lived, I feel like I lived two lives for a very long time, and it was way, way so much work, too hard. Mm-hmm. I absolutely, it was like such a relief when I was finally able to say, like, that part of my life is done. I'm now in this... I get just get to be me all mm-hmm. the time. Allison is a hundred percent. Yes. There is no more of this. Like Allison goes away for certain hours of the day, or yes. when I'm around certain people. Um, and that was like that was one of the best feelings ever. And so, like I know that it's not possible for everyone to get to that point. No. Immediately, uh, I feel very fortunate that I had a family that was pretty welcoming. Um, That's good. I, it took my mom quite a while to come mm-hmm. around, but she's come around. She has been a huge supporter of me. She was a big fan, like supporter day one. She just didn't know how to support. And yeah, it was, it's been difficult. I um, mean, that's the thing with family. The thing is, we're not very common. As you know, I think we're what less than one percent of the population, like one percent maybe. People don't really don't encounter us a whole lot, so they don't know. So I think. I honestly think well, that the I think, people aren't necessarily hostile towards us. They just don't know what to make of us at all. To be honest, I think most people know somebody uh, that is trans that really just is not stealth, but doesn't hasn't come out to them. Oh, and yeah. I think that um, I think that most people, because like I had a friend, um, he's somebody that I consider a really close friend. Uh, who literally um, the day I told him told me he had a sister who was trans and I did not know Um, and this is somebody who I was like really close friends with and I couldn't I had no idea and so I think that most people do know somebody that person just hasn't come out to them yet I have two classmates who I graduated law school with who are actually Somewhere on on the, the spectrum, somewhere one of them is is confirmed like non-binary or something. I think they're both they're both non-binary. I just don't know the exact phraseology that they would use to describe themselves. And I was surprised because I'm gonna be honest with you, they didn't really present themselves to until fairly recently as any different than than you know most gay men I, I knew or I think bisexual men. Each person kind of gets to do that themselves, and I, I think that oh, that's yeah. what's so great about the LGBT community is, like, we all kind of say, like, this is how I'm going to be, this is who I'm going to be, and I think, like, the average person has no idea for the most part. They think they know, and they mm-hmm. think they understand, but they don't actually understand, and they don't actually know, and so when they do, when someone does come out to them, they're surprised. They act like, oh, oh I didn't know, but to be honest, like, you just weren't looking for the signs. No, and, and I think that I agree with that, you know. We all manifest signs in very subtle ways, or not so subtle for some people. For me, it was always very furtive and very hidden. You know, I would always kind of just do it, 
you know, behind closed doors. This was always, I don't want to say that I was ever ashamed of it, but I, I never felt comfortable being open in it until fairly recently. And this is a huge step for me. And I'm actually going to see a, a part of me is thinking about, you know, I'm going to be doing a Zoom call with my therapist tomorrow afternoon in between, so in between my, my bar sessions, a part of me is thinking about just wearing this during the, uh, this whole outfit here that I have on, which I'm so disappointed that we don't have the video on because I would love the people to see it. But no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not making more work for you. But I would, I would love for her to see this, you know? I would... Yeah. Uh, is there any... Yeah. Is there any way you could actually, like... I remember... What's that? Is there any way you could, like, screen I... capture? <laughs> what I look like? I... I do remember uh, when the first time I wore, I, I dressed, I guess, um, out to my therapist. And it was like one of the best like feelings because like, she already knew. So it wasn't yeah. like I was coming out to her. And it was like such an affirming feeling because I was able to, I knew I was going to a safe space. Um, mm -hmm. And I was going to her office. So it wasn't like I was um, on a Zoom call. But like yeah, I literally was out in public. Yeah, it was exhilarating, but also completely nerve-wracking. Like, I had no idea what I was, like, what I was getting myself into. And I was remember sitting in her waiting area just like, oh, please don't let somebody walk out who's going to say something. Um, which, oh like, I knew that, like, that was probably minimal. Chances of that happening were minimal, but at the same time, like, it was, it was definitely nerve-wracking. And I remember going into her office or into her... Um, her room and just being like oh this was like way easier than i thought it was going to be oh, and it was so affirming it absolutely is and it's you know i'm just looking at my own picture right here and i'm already amazed just how much i look like me like a woman like i, I will say it's shocking actually it's kind of, it's really affirming to look at yourself in the mirror and see that and see yourself or in this, like in, you know, in a camera selfie style. And I so know. like, I, I totally get the, I don't take a lot of selfies. Uh, I've just never been I a real selfie girl, to. but I, uh, I hate getting my picture taken at all. But when I'm, when I'm like this, I, oh my God, <laughs> I can't All of a myself. sudden you want photos taken of yourself. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. Totally understand that. Well, Phoebe, um, I I think this is probably a good stopping point for us. Um, okay. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, so I'd like to say thanks. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for reaching out. I really appreciate it. Um, I know that we have a lot of listeners who are going to be really happy to hear your story. Uh, yeah. And so, again, thanks for, thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe to hear more amazing stories. And to share your own story, you can always reach me on Instagram at trans underscore connections underscore podcast or email me at transconnectionspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Trans Connections.